Welcome back to Stories New and Old with me, Alyssa. Today, we're going to go back in time to learn about American Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about so many great presidents. We're going to discuss some super influential women. And we're going to talk about how consumerism ends up playing a major role in really anything American. (laughs) So there's a lot that can be said about Thanksgiving. We could talk about the definition of what a Thanksgiving celebration is, because it's actually different things in different countries. Or we could talk about why in the United States we associate pilgrims and Native Americans with this holiday, but it should come as no surprise at all to any of you that I'm going to talk about this topic from the perspective of the interesting people who were involved from American history starting out during the Revolutionary Period. What got me very interested in this topic is the fact that Thomas Jefferson was against having a day of Thanksgiving. And if you know me outside of the podcast, because I haven't really discussed this yet here, I am not a fan of Thomas Jefferson. I'm crazy about John Adams in love with him. And Jefferson was his friend for many, many years on and off. Um, But there are quite a few reasons that I'm not a fan of Thomas Jefferson. I think that he was a bit of a hypocrite. Um, I think that there were some poor decisions that were made, but that would be an episode and a story in and of itself. What we need to do to talk about this story today and to discuss Thanksgiving, we have to go back even further than Jefferson's presidency to understand the process that the United States went through to make Thanksgiving an official holiday. So Thanksgiving simply means that it's a day of public Thanksgiving and prayer, and it was actually a tradition in Europe and really different parts of the world all throughout the year. In the United States, John Hancock declared a day of Thanksgiving when he was president of the Continental Congress. And then in 1789, George Washington proclaimed the first nationwide Thanksgiving celebration. He did this because of a request from Congress, which was led by a guy named Elias Boudinot. And I'm going to give you a few asides about Elias and his family that I find pretty interesting. Um, so Elias was a statesman and he was a lawyer. He was from New Jersey, which I'm from Jersey too, so go New Jersey. Um, and George Washington actually appointed him director of the Mint, which I thought was a fun fact because, again, anything that has to do with producing money, I'm pretty into. Um, But when you Google Elias's name, there are two different people that come up. And it's a touching story to learn why this is. So Elias was a proponent of rights for Black and American Indian citizens, and he would sponsor students to go to a school called the Board School for Indians in Connecticut. There was a young Cherokee who was known as Bakwati, and he stayed with Elias in Burlington when he was on his way to this school. So they liked each other so much that Bakwati asked and was given permission to adopt Elias's name. So when you Google Elias Boudinot, two people come up. It's 
the actual Elias and Bakwati. So Bakwati continued to be known as Elias, um, and he became the editor of the Cherokee Phoenix, which was the nation's first newspaper, and it was published in Cherokee and in English. So that was just a really touching story to me and, and kind of gave me some more context into why, when I was Googling this name, I was getting a variety of results. I should clarify that when I say it was the nation's first newspaper, I'm talking about the Cherokee Nation. Just wanted to make sure I clarified that. (laughs) The other kind of interesting aside about Elias and his family was Elias's sister, a woman named Annis Stockton. She married a guy named Richard Stockton, who was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. And again, if you know New Jersey, Stockton University is named after Richard Stockton. Annis herself was a talented poet, and she was friends with George Washington because she wrote poems about the United States and about the, well, I say the United States, about the colonies, which then became the United States and how she was a big supporter of the Revolutionary War. And she praised Washington's leadership. And I found this quote that was just like such a George Washington quote. So when he was asked about how he felt about Annis's poetry about him, he said, However I may feel inferior to the praise, she must suffer me to admire and preserve it as a mark of her genius, though not of my merits. Which George Washington, he is the best, so humble, and I could, you know, wax poetically on and on about him, but Annis has already done that, so I don't need to. But Annis had some major drama in her life. One of the big things that I found out about was that during the American Revolution, when the British were sweeping across New Jersey and defeating the Continental Army, Annis buried important state papers, as well as papers that belonged to the American Whig Society of Princeton College. And this was done in such a chaotic time and moment as she was being chased out of her home with her children and her husband. And for this brave act, she was made an honorary member of the American Whig Society. And she was the only woman that that had happened to. Her husband, Richard, was arrested by the British, and he was first jailed in Perth Amboy, and then from there he was carried to Provost Prison in New York City. So this was not a place that you wanted to end up, that the British were holding thousands of people in. The conditions were absolutely horrific. There were more than 2,000 men who died in that prison and on prison ships that were being kept in New York Harbor. So... Richard was really not treated well there to begin with, but then was especially treated poorly because they knew that he was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. Annis reached out to Washington. She asked for him to do anything he could to intervene. But by the time that Richard was released, his health was really shot. He died soon afterwards. Um, But even to release him, the British made him... um, say that he was not going to participate in any revolutionary activities. So he had to completely step back from any of that. I mean, he was too sick to be doing it anyway. Um, But Annis didn't have to make that kind of an agreement. So she continued to participate in revolutionary activities. Now, 
I could go on and on, but let's get back to the Thanksgiving story at hand. So when we left off, I was telling you that Elias was leading the charge to say to Washington from the Congress, hey, we would like for there to be a nationwide Thanksgiving celebration. So in 1789, George Washington did proclaim this celebration. And in his address, um, what he said was that this was going to be a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many single favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peacefully to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, I kind of, you know, I think about this and I say, all right, you know, in and of itself, this is a really nice sentiment and this is the new nation. So why not come together in this day of Thanksgiving? Um, But also just kind of reading these words, you see how the new nation is being portrayed as a government for the safety and happiness of the people. And I think it just continues to, you know, feed that rhetoric that I, of course, like buy into, um, but that was clearly being promoted for this new nation to try to promote unity. And so George Washington did this, and then John Adams, he was into it, he kept it going, but then damn Thomas Jefferson, he was openly opposed to it. He said that it was too religious and that the federal government should not be mandating a holiday. There was a whole bunch of talk of like, oh, could the states do it themselves? And some states were doing it. But it was kind of on and off for a while until Abraham Lincoln decided to make Thanksgiving an official and an annual holiday in 1863. There were a few reasons that Lincoln decided to make Thanksgiving a holiday um, on the last Thursday in November. The first was a very persistent woman, again, um, a woman named Sarah Joseph Hale. She was 74 years old at the time. She was a magazine editor, and she'd been on a crusade for years. Um, Some reports say 15 years, some say 17, um, for there to be a national Thanksgiving rather than each state deciding on their own day to celebrate. Not all the states were participating at this point. New England was super into it. Other states, eh, not so much. She wrote to Presidents Taylor, Fillmore, Pierce, Buchanan, and Lincoln um, until this finally happened. And kind of interestingly, like Annis, she was a well-known poet, and she was the author of the well-known children's nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. (laughs) And another reason um, that Lincoln decided to do this is because we were in the midst of civil war, some positive feelings were definitely needed, and so he decided to go forward with this idea. In his public address, Lincoln tells the American people how remarkable it is that despite being in the midst of war, they've really pulled together to grow production across industries and to increase the population of the United States, even with the people who were lost in battle and that none of this would have been possible without the benevolence of God. After Lincoln, things were really going super well for Thanksgiving. People were hosting raffles the night before to give away turkeys. Um, They had shooting matches the day of Thanksgiving with turkeys and chickens as targets. You know, some, some good, clean American fun. 
But then when we get to the presidency of Franklin Delano Roosevelt or FDR, he has an idea. Um, Most likely this idea wasn't his. There's a guy named Fred Lazarus Jr. who probably had this idea and convinced FDR to do it. And Lazarus is the founder of what would become Macy's. So you'll see why this makes sense in a second. In 1939, when FDR was making this um, declaration, there were five Thursdays in November. And if you remember, Lincoln established the tradition of celebrating on the last Thursday of November. So FDR, he came up with this plan to say, you know what, instead, we're going to celebrate on the fourth Thursday in November, because he wanted to give merchants an extra week to sell Christmas gifts. Um, At the time, it was considered inappropriate to advertise for Christmas before Thanksgiving. I can hardly imagine that now, seeing as the Christmas decorations feel like they come out before Halloween sometimes. But back in the day, that was respected. And you'll remember that this was during the Great Depression. So I can't really blame the guy for wanting to put some more fire into the economy. But when he did this, Republicans flipped their lids. They said this was an absolute affront to Lincoln's memory. And so that year, people celebrated a quote-unquote Republican Thanksgiving on the last Thursday of November and a quote-unquote Democratic Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday in November. This caused mass confusion. Um, It was especially tough, I learned, for football teams because they planned to play their last game on Thanksgiving. So they were like, what's the schedule now? 23 states went with FDR. 22 states did not. Some states like Texas just like completely had a crisis, didn't know what to do. So they're like, all right, we're going to celebrate both days as government holidays, the fourth Thursday in November and the fifth. At the end of 1941, Congress passed and Roosevelt signed a joint resolution setting Thanksgiving as not the final Thursday, but the fourth Thursday in November. So essentially, that means that Thanksgiving will fall somewhere between November 22nd and the 28th, but never on the month's last two days. This law struck a sensible balance between the business interests of retailers and Americans' beliefs that Thanksgiving shouldn't be too early, and this has, thank goodness, lasted ever since. There you have it. This was a look into the Thanksgiving celebration through a very U.S.-centric lens um, and how it came to be on the date that we celebrate. I love stories that involve my favorite presidents and that even something that started out as a day of thanking God comes back to money. (laughs) Um, And this Thanksgiving, I hope you take a few moments to appreciate the history that I shared. And also, if you watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, think about Fred Lazarus Jr., the owner of Macy's, who influenced FDR and when we celebrate this holiday in present day. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the stories new and old on your podcast platform of choice. You can follow me on Instagram where I give teasers for new episodes, and you can check out my blog for more great history content. If you're so inclined, please rate and review this episode. It helps me come up with new ideas, and it's a really great way for you to support this podcast. Thanks for listening to Stories New and Old with me, Alyssa. I will see you next time. (music) 